1: folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 27th, and the Clemson Tigers have approved a 12-0 on the year after suffering a humiliating defeat in their victory over South Carolina in what could be otherwise called a moral win. Um, Sam, you could also say that they snapped victory from the jaws of victory. Does this feel like a loss to you? Uh, you know, it doesn't. There were certainly aspects of the game that were
0: disappointing. Uh, the defense obviously is the the culprit there but it, it still definitely feels like a win to me
1: I mean the W looks like a win yeah the but zero he, makes it look like a win
0: you know it's all all the factors are there to, to say it was a win
1: yeah listen if, if you thought that this felt like a loss you may want to see your way over to the other side of the robbery to experience what that really feels like because in my book that was most certainly a win the scoreboard seemed to indicate it, uh, it was a win
0: you know maybe a record our
1: ranking been,
0: everybody's just been betting against the spread. That's why it felt like a loss. Maybe that's it. We didn't cover.
1: Now, listen, I understand the defense did not perform the way we liked them to, but uh, listen, you have to give Brent Venables the benefit of the doubt on this one that he's going to have the ability to get this thing turned around. This is We haven't faced a lot of great offenses this year. We haven't had an opportunity to see things get exposed. We did in this game, but that's fine. We still won by three touchdowns. Everything is still ahead of us. You know, that could have happened in the playoff. And then what, right? Um, then you could certainly be looking at a loss, but it didn't. And we have a lot of time to correct things. They have it on tape. So you gotta give Brent Venables the benefit of the doubt. But uh I think the question that that I want to start with, Sam, is you know, this all kind of started with David Hood's article over on TigerNet, um, about him overhearing one particular fan saying that this felt more like a loss than a win to him. Do you think that article was reckless at all?
0: You know, we chatted about it in our uh, our group chat. I don't think it was necessarily reckless. I think that his points were totally valid. I think the way he got there was a little bit exaggerated and taking it from from one fan's perspective it's just an you know it's just to create a perspective in the article. I don't I don't think there was anything wrong with the article itself. I think it was obviously a little bit overdone. Most of the fan base doesn't feel that way, but clearly there's a fairly large proportion of the fan base that that felt that way after this game. Um, They want the South Carolina game specifically to be an utter blowout, an embarrassing loss for the other team. And when it's not that, even if we win by three touchdowns, it seems like it's, uh, you know, less than a full victory.
1: See, and I guess that's my question because I thought about this. I I thought it over looking at it from both sides after the article came out. And then obviously after hearing Davo's uh, response to it. And at the end of the day, I do think it was a bit reckless. I, I think... The points he makes in the article are are solid and valid, but to paint this picture that this certain faction of the Clemson fan base felt like this was a loss after overhearing one guy, and who knows what context that was in, um, overhearing one guy say something. We've all heard individual Clemson fans say stupid things. We've said stupid things Absolutely. In, in, uh, in in bits of emotion, like in, in instances of emotion after a game. Um, so to have one guy say that in a handful of goofs over on the Tiger net message boards and then turn that into painting it a picture, like a certain percentage of the Clemson fan base feels that way. I didn't see other people saying that I haven't talked to other people who thought that felt like a loss. Yes. You can be disappointed in the defense. You can be critical of the defense. That's okay. We should be right. But we won the game and I I, I just don't see it it just kind of turned them, uh, uh, made a mountain out of a molehill. Absolutely. Um, And then what that did is set off a chain reaction where you have, Dabo responding to it in the way he did. You have ESPN picking up the story saying Dabo's, you know, threatening to leave um, if it ever got to the point where fans weren't satisfied with with victories. Um, and I just don't see the fan base. I don't see our fan base not being satisfied with that. I was happy after the game. I was happy we won. I was concerned a little bit about the defense, but also with a level head, I'm like, okay, this is still a great defense. We can get this thing turned around. This could be an aberration. They exposed something. Great. Let's figure it out and, and fix the problem. So, um to have that again with ESPN running with the, with the headline you know I don't even think from the transcripts I read Dabo never said that he, maybe it's time for him to leave he mentioned maybe it's time to leave and or or go somewhere else or or cheer for another team or something he could be talking about the fans sure. I don't know but the point is it got out there and made it into a headline and I understand, well, Dabo's saying this like he did the rant about South Carolina um, how many ever years ago, six years ago, to to, to cover up the fact Mm -hmm. that the defense had a bad game. I get that part of it, but the headline is not a good look for Clemson. And and to be honest with you, I'm a little bit offended as a fan who doesn't feel that way, that we kind of got the picture painted that this is how we feel, because it's not.
0: Yeah, I think that's the worst part of it. Uh, Like I said, I'm not offended by the article itself. David's job is to write, Things that will get reads. He did a fantastic job of that in this, and his points were valid in the article. But uh, what it did was paint us as a fan base that's ungrateful and you know are judgmental of a team that is crushing teams. Three three touchdowns is a huge win, uh, and I don't think most of us feel like it was a loss. And it's um, that's that's my biggest problem with the article is that it, it made us look like we everyone felt like it was a loss, and that's certainly not the case.
1: Yeah, and even Dabo coming out and saying that 98% of the fan base is good, and everybody has that 2%. They don't talk about the 2%. Mm-hmm. Like
0: That was a 2% off. Focus
1: article. on the 98% and, and let the other people talk and be what they are. They can be miserable with wins and whatever. If they're going to be that way, then you, there's nothing you're going to do to change that. So, a, again, I, I think it was, again, it was a I, I shouldn't be offended, and I'm not, honestly, not that offended, and it's not going to ruin my day. I still love Dabo. I don't have hateful feelings against David Hood by any stretch of the imagination. But again, you know, our, our players are having to answer questions about this. So, you know, it's created made, a scene. Yeah. And, and whereas you can make the argument again, that dab was trying to create a distraction uh, to take the heat off the players. Well, now they're having to answer these questions. So that only, you know, puts it out in front of them. And then, yep. um, and the other thing that I'll, I'll say about this too, is um, the, the stories that you hear about Tanner Muse and people Um, harassing him on social media or whatever after this, A, a lot of that wasn't Tanner Muse's fault. Um, That's some ignorance in the fan base is not understanding that a blown coverage... Could lead another guy, uh, one coverage by one guy, could lead another guy to have to mop it up and come out of nowhere to try to chase somebody down. So yep. that's ignorance on the on, on the fan base parts. Whoever says that, and number two, like those people are idiots, straight up. And you should turn in your your Clemson card or whatever if you're harassing a twenty something year old player. Like yeah, get insane. out of here, get a life.
0: Yep, it's uh, it's not ever okay to to personally attack these guys, uh, whether they played like crap and cost us a game, which they didn't. Nobody cost us this game. We won it by three touchdowns.
1: I even felt like the whole game, yeah, they were scoring, but every time they didn't score, I'm like, well, you just lost seven points there like because we're going to go down and score.
0: Exactly. I think our our, our offense looked amazing in this game. And so I was, again, just like last week, never concerned that we were ever going to be in trouble with the game. Always felt like it was under control. Um, We just gave up more points than we wanted to.
1: You know, and I I think part of the problem here is, too, is that, you know, Clemson fans don't like to see – uh, uh, South Carolina do well, and let's be honest with, 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 with each other um, or with everybody. Let's all be honest together. South Carolina is an improved football team. Their defense is atrocious, but on offense they played a lot better. Jake yep. Bentley has been playing a lot better as, as of late. They've got a solid offensive line, uh, maybe the best that we've seen all year. Probably the best that we've seen all year. Let's they've hope, got because we didn't do great against so them. We did not. We've got they've got really good wide receivers, serviceable wide receivers. Debo Samuel is a, is a great wide receiver. He'll play in the league. Um, so let's be honest with that. I mean, part of it, give props to South Carolina and their game planning. Right. So, yeah. and, and don't, don't be above that. Um, as a Clemson fan, like that's just not, it's just not us. That's not the way to be. That's what they do. Right. Let them be happy and take a moral, uh, make it be a moral loss because, uh, or a moral victory, whatever you want to say about it. Um, because they did play so well on offense. But if you're a Clemson fan, just come on, give the coaching staff a benefit of the doubt. Uh, until you see this stuff become kind of endemic uh, to the program and the team, okay, then it's time to worry. If we start actually losing because of it, then it's time to worry. It's okay, again, to be critical and kind of break things down and say uh, what we think needs to change in order for us uh, to be successful on these uh, next few games. But, you know, just give me a break with a lot of this noise, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really all that needs To be said about it, we uh, we certainly as individuals don't agree with the sentiment that was put forward uh, in the article. Uh, A lot of the individual criticisms in the article hold water and are, you know, are good criticisms of the game itself. Um, But I think the the fan base as a whole and certainly us as individuals, we, we don't have we don't feel like it was a loss and nothing else indicates it was a loss except for the spread.
1: So, this kind of leads us into a, an interesting point uh, that it wasn't just the Clemson-South Carolina game that led to this. It was also the Texas A&M-LSU game, which, great game, game of the year. Whoa. Um, and then also what Michigan's defense uh, did against Ohio State, which is essentially nothing, just just letting them score. Um, and then obviously knowing what Oklahoma, how high-powered their offense is and how terrible their defense is, is... Offense has taken over in football, not just in the college ranks in the NFL as well, yep. as well, where in years past, both leagues have kind of been defense dominant. At least the top upper echelon of teams in college football yeah. have been the championship defense dominant, but you're starting to see that shift um, where it is becoming more of an offensive centric sport. Now, that being said, there is a clear difference between an Alabama defense and a Clemson defense and a big 12 defense.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the lsu a and game and the uh, Ohio State-Michigan game. Probably in great part because of those, we are still number one defensively in the country uh, according to the S&P Plus ratings. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we had a, for us, bad game. It's our first game where we've given up 30-plus this year, I think. Um, yeah,
1: the, when once they scored 28, that was the most points we'd given up all year.
0: Yep. So there are you know very few teams in the country that can that can say they've held everyone under 30 points every game this season we no longer get to say that uh, but we are still ranked number 1 in the country defensively and uh, number 2 overall so it's uh overall you know it's a great outcome we're still happy we're moving on we're playing in the ACC championship this weekend and uh assuming we take care of business and nothing crazy happens we'll we'll be moving on to our another football playoff
1: yeah, and so again, it's uh, it's good to have this stuff on film now. It's better to find this out now. Absolutely, because what we saw—the issue that we saw on Saturday—is probably going to be a lot easier to fix than trying to uh, correct Kelly Bryant's or fix Kelly Bryant's throwing ability, as we were hoping for in December last year, leading into the college football playoff, which turned out to not have changed much. Uh, once we got into the Alabama game, granted, there was some offensive line uh, woes there. But again, you know, listen, South Carolina essentially had two weeks to prepare for us. They had Chattanooga the week before and all of their losses this year have come to rank teams with an average rank of 12. Um, They're averaging 33 points a game coming in and 36 points a game over their last six. So they've been scoring. They haven't had bad losses or at least a bad teams, So it was just a combination of everything. And. The silver lining or the bright spot out of all of this is that Clemson team never got rattled. South Carolina scored. They went down and scored again. Yep. The defense had two big goal line stands. Huge. Um, at were- the end of the day, put up 56 points against our arch rival, and we won by 21. Yeah, I'll take that any week. Okay, before we get further into the game here, I want to give a plug to the podcast. Uh, we encourage uh, any and everybody to reach out to us uh, to engage, whether you've got questions, you've got Comments, suggestions for the show, like we're we're all ears. Uh you can reach us at um Clemsonpodcast at gmail.com at Clemson Podcasts on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to follow us on any of your podcasting apps, whether it be iTunes or um Stitcher, Podbean, anything like that. Leave us an iTunes review. That's super helpful. Um again, we, we appreciate everybody listening and engaging. And just kind of to give everybody a heads up as we trans, we begin the transition from uh, the regular season of college football, we're going to have a little lull here as we come up into December, but basketball season is going strong. So uh, mm-hmm. Sam and I here will jump into a basketball preview here in the coming weeks. We'll preview the, the, the team this year, obviously coming off a couple losses here. It's been discouraging, albeit to good teams. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, and of course, uh, Tully and Cody will be back with us. Here we'll probably do a four-man episode as we start to preview the college football playoff. And we'll have some other content, hopefully some more interviews with guys from Shaking Southland and Clemsonpaws.com. Uh, but let's talk about the South Carolina game. Okay, Sam, as I mentioned, I never really felt like the game was in doubt even when they scored first. Like that didn't bother me so much. And as I when I saw what our offense was gonna be able to do all game long, the South Carolina defense gave no indication that they were going to be able to start uh, stop Trevor Lawrence at all. Um, but really an amazing offensive day for both teams. You know, Both quarterbacks set records uh, for the most passing yards for the respective teams in the history of this rivalry. Bentley with 510 yards, Lawrence with uh, 393. Um, but really the story coming out of this is the defense, and I guess that's what we'll focus on first here. Um, after all said and done, still the number one ranked SP defense. Not really sure how that happened. Part of that was some help from Michigan there. But uh yeah, I mean, we mentioned it. Uh, Venables, Brent Venables called this said he was embarrassed, disappointed, and disgusted. Dabo said that was probably the worst performance he's seen uh from the secondary since he's been a head coach. Um and one thing that is a bit concerning is the secondary has now been the two times have been picked apart is by both by SEC teams which doesn't make you too confident about going up to play Alabama.
0: Yeah, um, I think the defense, we, we mentioned really briefly earlier that we didn't get as much um, pressure on the quarterback as we have in past weeks. Against Daniel Jones and Duke, we, we clobbered him. We were in the backfield every single play um, and just crushed him. We only ended up this week with three sacks and four tackles for loss. We did have eight hurries, uh, which were spread around pretty evenly, he, but we just couldn't
1: quite finish they, it. They were close a few times, but uh, just long enough for Bentley to get some passes off downfield. And, and really to his th-
0: credit, he, he made some he really nice under-pressure throws.
1: He stood in the pocket. He, he took some hits as well. Um, really, I mean, again, we got to give Bentley credit. He played a fantastic game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's thrown for over 1,400 yards, and I think – 13 touchdowns, 9 touchdowns, something like that. A lot of touchdowns the last four weeks. Um, he's been really playing well. Uh, given how well he played, he averaged 10.2 yards per attempt this week. Uh, Trevor beat him, 10.9. So that tells you a little bit about how good our offense played this week, uh, especially since Trevor and the passing offense weren't really the thing that was driving us this week. We had a lot of carries. We finally got some of that ETN, uh, those ETN touches that we've been asking for. Um, but you know the defense, outside of the few blown plays, uh, the Tanner Muse one where he went for the pick uh, as he was coming across the field is one that has come up a lot, I think.
1: Well, see, and that was a blown coverage by Isaiah Simmons, and uh, you know we'll get into that. I mean, the basis of all of this. So I mean, let's start from the beginning. South Carolina came out; they had a few uh, wrinkles in their formations that the, st- the staff honestly did not adjust very well to uh, tempo. Uh, was an issue getting Mm -hmm. some calls in late. Um, And then some bad tackling at times led to extra yards. I mean, when I went back and watched the game, there were several times where guys got three or four more yards. They went down, didn't turn them into big chunk plays, but that extra three or three or four yards uh, uh, really kept the chains moving. And their wide receivers played a lot more physical than I thought than our defensive backs. There were some times where we were trying to, um, to hit them up at the line to kind of get them off. And, uh, off their roots and one in particular i think it was aj terrell uh against uh debo samuel it didn't even yeah. budge debo samuel hit him hard yeah. and then
0: he came in and, and did a slant route and got the touchdown on yeah. that play
1: yep that was the one
0: um yeah debo was incredible 10 catches 210 three touchdowns uh he had that 45 yard play at the end of the game where he broke like six tackles and just kept running and kept running um but you know generally certainly early in the game i thought our our secondary and our our linebackers played really well and had a lot of good tackles. Uh, the first drive, um, you know, things sort of just, they kept barely getting those first downs and kept moving the ball, kept moving the ball. Uh, but there were a lot of good plays. It was just one or two yards too many on a lot of different plays throughout the game that were not necessarily a terrible coverage or a missed tackle. It's just the tackle wasn't as, as square and as, as immediate as you'd hope. Um, But overall, you know, I was pretty pleased. We had a lot of blown coverages or miscommunications. Uh, The sideline stuff you mentioned, they were super late getting a few in. Uh, Kendall Joseph had a really bad blown coverage after one of those instances where it was really late getting in. He was looking around as they snapped the ball and didn't get back on a a guy that was running past him. Um, But, you know, that's as Venables took credit for. uh, It's his job to get these guys ready and they didn't do as good a job as they have in past weeks.
1: Yeah, so part of it's the coaching and the play calling. Part of mm-hmm. it is, you know, South Carolina found some success with screen passes that usually you see get blown up by Clemson defenders. Um, that got the defense playing on their heels a little bit, got us into soft coverage, with left some stuff open under the, underneath, and obviously you had the, the big bust down this field, which you haven't, which that's one of the most concerning things because you haven't seen a lot of big plays against this Clemson defense this year, and we're honestly... Uh, Lucky they didn't score 42 on us with that drive at the end of the game. Um, But it's kind of in the story all year. And we've talked about this in the absence of really facing um, elite offenses. To what extent is the defense and the pressure they're able to get on the quarterback able to mask some of the weaknesses we have in coverage with our linebackers in the secondary? And I think that's one of the things that really came out and got to expose this game because we were Unable to get a pass rush at times. Again, their offensive line blocked really well, and Jake Bentley stood in there and made some good plays. So, you know, that's what we'll say about the defensive line. They 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 stopped the running game. They did a good job there. Um, they just weren't able to get that pass rush. Um, you know, from the linebacker position, we're missing Trey Lamar coming into this game. Yeah, he's an upgrade from a J.D. Davis, who stepped in for him. But, uh, you know, it's not like Trey Lamar is, like, the B's knees in pass coverage or anything like that. No,
0: I, I think he's more, <clears throat> there's a bigger gap between him and JD in run coverage. Um, Lamar's definitely better in pass coverage. He's a little bit faster than JD, I think, but um, JD has better hands apparently. Cause he actually caught that. interception. That was
1: a great interception. Um, and it was, it was a critical interception. Again, every time we were able to stop them, he felt like the offense was going to get the ball back and go down the field and extend the lead. Um, so yeah, the linebackers did not do a good job at all with pass coverage, giving up a lot underneath and over the middle. Um, you mentioned Kendall Joseph and his uh, blown coverage there. Um, Simmons got beat um, Number of times. time his, and time second again, half
0: especially was rough,
1: and that really led to the the Simmons blowing some coverages and being out of position led to some other things and chain reactions of other things. We mentioned the Tanner Muse play where he came yeah, across. That and was
0: that was a blown coverage by Isaiah and yeah. a mistake by J.D. taking a bad angle, at, and, and it comboed to just leave Tanner out to dry. And he, yes, he made a bad decision. He took the wrong angle, uh, wrong approach, and went for the pick or deflection instead of going for the tackle. Had he just run at the receiver, it would have been a 20-yard play, but wouldn't have been a touchdown. He went for the pick, went for the big play. That's Tanner's nature. He goes for the blow-up plays. He goes for the picks. Um, it's a coachable moment.
1: Well, and even then, again, that's that's not his man. And I'm not even sure he was going for the pick, as he was just coming across the field trying to get in the way of the ball and just, just missed it. But um, the cracking over at Clemson, Paws kind of uh, explained it the best. Uh, first off, and if you see this rewatching the games, that most of their big plays uh, came out of the slot position, uh, yeah. a post route from the from the slot wide right receiver. And then when we have whether it be Camon Wallace or Isaiah Simmons or whomever individual players getting caught out of position, it left others to compensate for them, and then again that turned that into a chain reaction, um. So putting other guys out of position, and that was a big critical flaw in this game. And again, I'm hoping that having this stuff on tape, it's a teachable mm-hmm. moment. You got Pitt next week. You know they're not going to put up the same numbers that South Carolina did on offense. They scored three against Miami last week. Um, so you have the pit game, the ACC championship, and then you got a month off three weeks worth of practice heading in to the college football playoffs, presumably should we win next week. Um, that's a lot of time to coach these young guys up and get them better prepared for what they're going to see.
0: Yeah. I think there's nothing that isn't correctable from what happened this week. Uh, we certainly blew some coverages. Obviously they scored more points. We've covered it at nauseam already. Um, but you know, the mistakes from Tanner or the blown coverages from Kevon Wallace or Isaiah Simmons, they're things where they're out of position, uh, but it's not necessarily easily correctable, but it's clearly, uh, clearly defined what needed to happen. And j- they can see all that in the film and go back and make corrections. And like you said, there's lots of time to practice before uh, a potential playoff appearance.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of the way that I, that I look at it. If you looked at what our offense was able to do against their defense, we were more balanced on offense across the board. We were tactically moving down the field, which to me really indicated something was fundamentally wrong with their defense, whether it be the talent or the coaching or the game calling or whatever. Again, a fundamental problem with their defense. They were hitting a lot of chunk plays, getting guys out of position, which for the most part indicated to me that something was, was broken. Uh, It was the same thing over and over again. So there was something was broken, uh, it was broken in the coverages. It was broken in where the guy's eyes were at or just understanding mm-hmm. their role was broken in getting the play calls in those things all those things all correctable, as you mentioned. so uh, i'm my hope is that the indication is not that there's something fundamentally flawed with their yeah. defense now, granted, I haven't seen championship caliber play really out of our linebackers or our secondary this year. And I think that's a fair thing to say. It's been helpful, and it's certainly helpful to have such talent on the defensive line that can help compensate for that. But they are going to need to turn the corner here in the, in the time we have up leading up to the playoffs. Otherwise, a game like this or performance like this will cost us a win.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to need improvement. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I think our secondary early in the year, we talked about it in our season preview and early on in the season. We didn't expect much from them. They've performed better than anticipated coming into the year. Uh, there's definitely room for growth and a need for growth in the next few weeks. But we, uh, we're still the top defense in the country. Uh, and that, while the season's not over and we're going to play some of the best offenses we're going to face all year in the coming weeks, assuming we get into the playoff and uh, Michigan doesn't make it in, then uh, you know, those numbers could certainly shift. But I, uh, I feel good about where the coaching staff's at and the the sort of corrections that need to be made. I don't think it's something that's going to hold us back um, until we get to the playoff if we don't make those corrections. Well,
1: and that's when you have to give Britton Venables the, the benefit of the doubt. Because when's the last time you see, you've seen one of his defenses uh, just continue to have the same flaw from game to game to game to game? These things usually get corrected. But you're right. We haven't faced an elite offense. We haven't faced a great quarterback. I mean, we're looking at facing, it could be Tua, it could be Kyler Murray, Haskins, Book, or Fromm. All uh, of those guys uh, better are than better than anybody. than anybody that we've seen this year. So yep. we, we are going to have to get better uh, when it comes up to, to, to facing these guys. Um, and, and things are going to have to improve.
0: Yeah, and you know maybe that's just um, sort of an approach, a style of of play for the defense, maybe the secondary needs to be a little more conservative and give up smaller plays uh, to avoid the chunk plays. Maybe it's pressing more and doing the opposite. That's something for Venables and the coaching staff uh, to figure out. We are not smart enough to figure that out for them, but uh, I have confidence that another, I think it was announced this week, he's a finalist for the Broyles Award again. Um, But Multi-time winner of that and nominee of that award, which is the best uh, assistant coach in the country, he's going to figure this out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's my expectation. And I do want to throw this one thing out there. It, it, you have to take it with a grain of salt that Clemson is ranked as the number one S&P defense because heading into last week, Michigan was the number one SP defense. And you saw them completely fall apart against Ohio State. And really what uh, that is an illustration of is Michigan, having played really weak Big Ten offenses throughout the year, getting them into that position. Clemson has faced a lot of really weak ACC offenses. It's very similar. Now Clemson's defense, by my estimation, is still a lot better than Michigan's. We know how talented these guys are. We've seen them play at elite levels uh, before, but you, you do have to take that with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Who's playing really great defense right now? Alabama. Has been playing good. The they, weeks, they've absolutely. been hanging in the 30s, absolutely. and they're up to six right now. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not looking at anybody in the Big 12 no. playing really great defense. Uh, you know, Iowa State is probably the only team in that, that the league that cares about playing defense. Hell, they put their defensive guys. They put linebackers at quarterback. Um, but the, the point being, like when you look at all the defenses out there, you're still even though Clemson had a bad performance and got exposed a little bit, they're still one of the best in the land.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but – Offense is is the name of the game right now. And if you have one of the better of the bad defenses, which I'm not saying our defense is bad, but um, this isn't, you know, football from decades ago where scores were 13-7 and 6-9. to nine.
1: Yeah, we got helmets with face masks now.
0: Yeah. Uh, people are going to put up points. It's going to happen. Uh, spread offenses and all the other uh, jet Sweep changes and there's so many uh, innovations and changes on the offensive end in college football that permeate throughout throughout the nation uh, and make it really really hard to game plan for these offenses. There's so many things that they can throw at you. If you can hold the other team to a couple of fewer scores than than they can hold you, you're going to win the game. And our offense, uh, which we'll talk about next. Can compete with anybody in the country, and our defense can compete with any defense in the country.
1: Yeah, listen, defenses are always catching up to offenses. They're always reacting to evolutions of offenses. They caught up to the to the kind of the the, the high tempo spread offenses, um, and now you're starting to see an evolution again. You're seeing this, this this Clemson team, their evolution, going from a Chad Morris offense to what they are now, which turns out to be a really good offense, fortunately. So let's talk about them. Okay, the Tigers are up to the number six ranked S&P offense on the year. And, and, and again, this game was really a balanced attack, uh, both passing and running the ball. 744 total yards of offense were the third most in, in the history of Clemson football, so nothing to complain about there. 393 yards through the air and 351 on the ground. They scored on drives of 95, 97, and 98. An amazing 39 first downs. This is the most balanced game we played all year.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful to watch Uh, every drive we were making plays. And we got contributions from across the board. We already mentioned Trevor and his performance. ETN ended up getting 28 carries, had 150 yards and a couple touchdowns. Uh, He was fighting through tackles the entire game, taking those one-yard carries and turning them into four or five-yard carries. Uh, Tavian Feaster had an awesome game as well, nine carries, 63 yards and a touchdown. Adam choice had three touchdowns for us. Uh, we yeah, were that was kind of,
1: that was kind of crazy. Cause he only had seven carries.
0: Yeah. Uh, we were spreading the love, um, on the receiving side of things as well. T had six catches. Hunter had five. Kendrick had four. Amari Rogers had five. Justin Ross had three. Uh, only one touchdown for that group this week with T Higgins touchdown, but, um, Trevor was spreading the ball around, uh, really balanced passing attack. A lot of, uh, mixes the screenplays this week looked amazing. Um, there was one right after Bachhorst came in for John, S- John Sim- Simpson after he went down. Uh, that was great. It was like a 25-yard play with Bockhorst leading the way. Um, that looked great. It was just the offense was clicking, and it looked fantastic.
1: Yeah, and we expected as much coming into the game. The South Carolina defense to begin with wasn't a great defense, but they suffered a lot of injuries this year. They suffered injuries in this game. Um, they've been a terrible run defense. So just coming in, we, we've we've seen what this team has been able to do when they are able to run the ball well. And the passing game has evolved so much since Trevor Lawrence has taken over. And really everything came together. And again, part of that is just born of the fact that South Carolina is not a very good defense at all. But uh just across the board, really just a, a great game. You could feel them clicking. And it was for for two reasons. It was uh, it was very encouraging to see that. One is because the slow starts we've had the last couple of weeks on offense, and two because it was obvious the South Carolina was going to move the ball. So that uh, comforted you, knowing that we weren't going to have much trouble. Um, Trevor Lawrence on the day, as you mentioned, 393 yards. Uh, uh, passing. And I'll say this about him. He's not afraid to get physical running the ball. No, he's He's got a lot of good straight line speed, not shifty, not going to make any crazy cuts. that makes people miss. But once he gets going, he goes and he's not afraid to run. That 32 yard carry
0: was was pretty good. He did some uh, some dodging in the pocket and then got out to the sideline and and out sprinted the defenders. Um, It was impressive. He actually had the longest
1: run of the day. For the Tigers.
0: That's uh, across the board. Uh, Highest
1: average, average 10.5 yards of carry. I guess we've got a new running quarterback. It's a five-headed monster now. Um, Good to see Lynn J. Dixon in there, too. He was in early. I I like the fact that they've been mixing him up, uh, getting him in earlier. He was in in the second quarter, Uh, again, getting some quality snaps. He's going to be, you know, once ETN's out out of the picture and Feaster's gone, obviously Choice is gone next year. Um, Lynn J. Dixon could be a really, really great running back for the Tigers. So, really excited to see him get out on the field. Um, you know, kind of going back to Trevor Lawrence here, he didn't get a lot of pressure in this game, and we've seen him struggle under pressure this year. So, didn't see that. So, again, you have to take these things with a grain of salt when you see th- their performance just based on the fact that this is not a very good defense, but it's also okay to be encouraged by, again, his touch on the passes, connecting on the deep balls. That uh, second touchdown pass to T Higgins was a hell of a throw. Um, and speaking of Higgins, he made, he just continues to make great catches and give so much effort um, after the play. And I just, between him and Justin Ross and now Darian Kendrick coming on, I've, He's the same I've way. been thrilled by their play and they're really living up to their billing.
0: They're the kind of receivers that are fun to watch. Uh, You've got the shifty guys like Amari who can catch it and dodge people and make plays, but for me, I love watching the big guys run through people and show that aggression once they catch the ball, working for those yards after catch. Uh, T. Higgins did it multiple times this week. Justin Ross does it every week. Kendrick has had a number of plays like that as well. Um, It's just really fun to watch, to see them go up, get a ball, have a guy hanging off of them and fight for another six, seven yards, uh, yards after catch.
1: Yeah. And it's just unfair for defenses. You see one play, the ball go to Higgins. The next play it goes to Justin Ross, how you defend both of those guys on the field at the same time is beyond me. And then you got Darian Kendrick, who has really stepped up and, uh, and taking Cornell Powell's role. He's just been electric. You know what you're going to get out of Amari Rogers. Um, and then there's a, a guy named Hunter Renfro, um, which, Gosh, I can't believe it, but that was his last game in Death Valley ever.
0: Yeah, it's sad. Uh,
1: which is which is just sad to think about. So I'm not going to. Um, but watching Hunter run in the open field is like watching a game of Frogger.
0: He's he is like that Amari mold where they just find the holes and keep dodging left and right he and just spinning and he doesn't do and,
1: anything spectacular, yeah. really. He just makes people He miss. looks he's, like
0: he's running in slow motion, but so, everybody
1: else is just can't get there. Well, he's so fluid with his cuts in the open field, um, which is a big part of his game. And then that third and 12 catch on the first drive oh of the second God, half, just incredible. once again contorting his body and catching anything that comes near him. He really stepped up in this game after that kind of disappointing uh, outcome of the game last week where he had a couple drops and then had to come out of the game with uh, – the possible concussion. So good to see him back in. He continues his streak, um, uh, both of starts and catches, uh, starts and catches. And you know what? Hopefully three more games to go there. Um, and we'd be remiss not to give the, uh, the offensive line some props. They played really well in both run and pass blocking in this game. um, you he mentioned John Simpson going down. Haven't really heard a lot about that, so hopefully he's going to be okay. But He's in the depth chart still as number one. So there we go. Um, you had Bockhorst come in and spell him. Uh, saw Sean Pollard out playing right tackle a little bit. and uh, Again, mentioned it last week. Other people have said this. He looks like a better, more natural right tackle than he does a guard at this point. And it's fortunate that Gage Savanka has stepped up like he has.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I was watching Bockhorst pretty closely after he came in for Simpson because he's a guy who doesn't get as many snaps uh, even in the rotations that we do for the line. So I thought he did a great job. He was really aggressive uh, as the lead block on a few running plays, but he did a good job in past past coverage as well. Um, And then you mentioned Pollard. Uh, We had... The game a couple weeks ago with Ankram struggling at right tackle. If we can get somebody who can spell him um, in Pollard that is reliable and can step up if Ankram has an off night or somebody else gets hurt, uh, just any depth we can get at the line is going to be huge because we're going to be dealing with potentially some really good defenses going forward.
1: Yeah, so, but overall, just an incredibly complete. A well played game on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's balanced with the, the with the rush and pass attack, and this is what you really wanted to see out of this Clemson football team, this Clemson offense all year long.
0: Do you think the efficiency comes somewhat from how many times we ran the ball and how well we set the stage with the run this week?
1: Yeah, I think once we're, I think establishing the run, um, well, it, it indicates a couple <laughs> things. It, it probably indicates that their defensive line, the opposing defensive line, is not that good. I mean, it means that totally. the, the offensive line is probably blocking well, but. So that would also lend itself to to having uh, more success in pass blocking and, and keeping guys off of uh, Trevor Lawrence. So does that change when we play a team like Alabama or whomever, if we get Notre Dame or somebody like that in the first round of the college football playoff, uh, what does that look like? Teams that have better defenses and, and teams defensive that lines, gonna, especially when they're able, to, if they're able to contain us in the run game and make us one dimensional in the pass game, they're going to be able to start getting pressure on us And that's when we're going to have to see Trevor Lawrence step up and not look like a freshman quarterback. Um, And then also hoping that Elliott and Scott don't uh, aren't too quick to abandon the run because we've seen times where it's been slow to get going. But as they wear teams down over the course of a game, the run starts becoming uh, more successful. And again, that really helps to, to balance your offense in the passing attack. So. But not a lot to complain about there. If you just watched the offense in this game, you would not walk away feeling like we lost. Um, Because, in fact, we did win the game. Um, Decisively. We did. So, (laughs) uh, kudos to the offense. Great game on their part. Uh, Special teams, though, a little bit. Again, you see Hugo miss a field goal before the half.
0: That drive was so frustrating. Because we had the touchdown to Amari. Yeah, They got called back for a phantom pass interference push-off call. Uh, And then... We had the Justin Ross drop like a play or two later, which was also a touchdown, just waiting to happen. And then Hugo missed the kick. We definitely should have had more points on the on the board from that drive.
1: Yeah, and we can talk about the officiating. I tend to, uh, I found as as Clemson has gotten better in as a college football program, I, I tend to not complain about the officiating too much anymore, just because it doesn't affect us nearly as much because we're not playing a lot of close games. It wasn't great in this game. Um, you had the phantom call, as you mentioned, against Amari Rogers. You got the disconcerting signals, yeah, whatever the hell that means. Uh, uh, the pass interference call on Nolan Turner on South Carolina's yeah, TD drive to open bad. the fourth quarter. Like, I just, I didn't see a lot of those. And and then the thing about that, it's amazing that we haven't really spoken much about all year, but. I think this defensive line has had, our, the Clemson defensive line, is, that is, has had one holding call against them all year. You cannot yeah. tell me these guys are not being held game in and get out that only leads to one holding call. Maybe yeah. there's been more since the last time, but I, I don't really recall any.
0: There were one or two in this game that were really obvious that did not get called.
1: And So it's it's atrocious. That in itself is just absolutely atrocious, um, the fact that they're not calling holding. Again, that lends itself more to becoming an offensive Uh, offensive minded sport when you're eliminating players' abilities, different ways they're able to make tackles uh, with the targeting calls and everything, and how much they protect the quarterback and defensive players. And again, I'm not defensive players, again, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but defenses are being restricted and what they're able to do. And then if you're not going to call holding calls and stuff like that, then just throw it out the window and just watch the offenses play and, you know, just have fun with that. Um, but that wraps it up for this game. Uh one thing though that we we forgot to mention is to congratulate coach Dabo Swinney uh uh on becoming the ACC coach of the year Woo! yet again. Uh, part of me thinks that's just because of the rest of the ACC is crap.
0: Uh, Dino Babers came in second <laughs> D- in that vote. And, and, and I he would, has had a wonderful coaching. Game. I
1: think had Syracuse not lost to Pitt immediately after beating us and they were a one-loss team or if the um the game against uh, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. where Dungy went down early, yeah. could have been a different story. Yeah, you got to give Bavers. Bowers. I think he's done a lot of good stuff there at Syracuse. So, but congratulations uh, to Coach Dabo. He's twelve and zero, not eleven and one on the year him and his team, and just another fabulous job this year. Probably getting us back into the college football playoff. Um, with that, that wraps up the game, and let's talk about those college football playoffs. <laughs> Okay, the college football playoff rankings, the penultimate college football playoff rankings are out Uh, this week. Nothing changes uh, with the top three. got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Georgia moves into the fourth spot um, this week after, I guess, who was four last week that lost Michigan Michigan. Yeah, with with their bad loss to Ohio State, uh, followed up by Oklahoma, Ohio State after their wins this weekend. Really no surprise and no gripes with the top six, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think the top six looks good. I'd probably have dropped Michigan one more below UCF.
1: I think if UCF's quarterback doesn't get taken the out. The injury is bad yeah. for them. Um, good news for him, by the way. He got some blood flowing back to his leg today. So yep. you just hope for that kid that it's, it's not a career ender, but it very well could yeah. be.
0: I mean, he's still got to have reconstructive yeah. surgery on that later. That's going to be a long process coming back for him.
1: So and here's my thing. I think the top six certainly all have the ability uh, to make it into the playoff. I don't think Michigan does like having them there at number seven is whatever. They're not playing in a conference championship yep. game. There's no way that they move up because I think if UCS if, or sorry, if UCF wins this weekend in their conference championship game, I think they're playing Memphis yep. um, that they would ultimately catapult. Michigan. I think so.
0: I think those, those seven teams, one through six and number eight, are the the teams that have a chance to get in. And that's
1: the thing. UCF still has a chance. If Georgia loses to Alabama, if Oklahoma loses to Texas, if Ohio State loses to Northwestern, UCF jumps Michigan, and they're in there with a win. So of all the crazy things that have happened, there hasn't been a lot of crazy things happen this year. So we'll we'll see. You never know. Um, So I guess my question for you is, We got Alabama, Georgia coming up this weekend. Yep, and I think it's pretty much uh, taken as a fact that if Alabama somehow loses to Georgia, that a lot of people still have them at number four, maybe number three ahead of Notre Dame in the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any way uh, Alabama can miss the playoff unless they lose by like forty to Georgia and Tua gets hurt and like Quinnen Williams goes down on their defense or something it would need to be some catastrophic result for them to, to be kicked out. I don't think it's even remotely possible. Uh, I think we have a little bit less leeway, uh, but I think we're pretty safe as well unless we get destroyed by Pitt.
1: Yeah, I even think that with a Clemson loss to Pitt, things could shake out in such a manner that Clemson still gets in the playoff. That would obviously take Alabama beating Georgia. Um and probably Oklahoma losing. I think that probably. even if Ohio State wins, that Clemson as a one-loss team could end up ranked ahead of them just based on body of work. But you know, I just don't even want to speculate about that. Um, obviously, if Georgia makes it in, we mentioned, or if they win against Alabama, they would make it in. Um, but it really comes down to right now, I think. Let's say Alabama-Clemson both win and the Notre Dame's in which we can talk about that. I think it's kind of BS that they get to sit at home this weekend and watch everybody else play with really no repercussions for them. Um, But the question becomes who gets that four spot? Should Oklahoma and Ohio state win this weekend? A it's going to depend on how those games look, Yep. right? Texas is a better team than Northwestern. So Oklahoma has a, a kind of a better opportunity there to pad their resume. That being said, Oklahoma has a horrible defense you got to think that the committee is going to take that into account. Um, but whomever in that five or six, if they both win, whomever they choose to move in there, the question then for me becomes, does Notre Dame get penalized for sitting at home not playing this weekend?
0: And move to four.
1: And move to four, having one of that those two teams, either Oklahoma or Ohio State, uh, jump in there at three.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, that also kind of brings in the Georgia ranking. I think right now I'd probably have – Oklahoma State or Oklahoma and Ohio State over Georgia. But obviously, if they come out and beat Alabama, that would clearly put them in the playoff. I think that's kind of what the committee's done is they've given them they the position out yeah. so that it doesn't look like they're jumping over teams who could also maybe win. Um so it it's almost anticipatory uh, that if Georgia were able to pull off the upset and beat Alabama. They're not gonna have to shuffle everything around from from four through seven. No, I
1: think in that case Clemson moves to, to number one. Um, Georgia may jump Notre Dame, move number two, and then it's the question of between uh, Notre Dame, Alabama. Yep. Who's in that uh, three-four position? And that's assuming still again that um, that Oklahoma and Ohio State don't find their way in there. Somewhere. What if they yeah. win? Both win loss teams. I can so, still I can't think you probably got to keep Alabama in. Ahead I think you of them. do. I, I think, think the two-a-factor makes a
0: big difference. If Georgia wins and we win, uh, I don't think there's any way the top 4 teams change. The order will obviously shuffle.
1: Um, so again, that kind of goes back to my question. Let's assume Alabama and Clemson both win. That knocks Georgia out of there and then you have a whichever team Oklahoma or Ohio State wins, whichever team they decide the committee decides should be in the playoff. Does Notre Dame get penalized for a sitting at home this weekend and B for you know only a seven point win against Southern Cal this past weekend? Who's not a great football team?
0: You know it's definitely possible, but I don't think so. Uh, I think the committee's trying to seems like they're trying to keep it as steady as possible uh, with the rankings. They haven't shifted Alabama and Clemson, although we we read later we talked about it briefly uh, last week. I think uh, where we were thinking, well, maybe Clemson should be. Considered for the one seed, Uh, and the committee did discuss that that week, uh, but they didn't make the change, and I think that's because they want to keep that consistency and show these teams have earned these spots until proven otherwise. There's no reason to move them.
1: Um, I do think, though, that had Clemson had a better showing against Duke there in the first half— with Alabama struggling the first half against the Citadel, that it's a very likely possibility they could have flipped those two teams, which yeah. would not and be unprecedented. It was
0: even with the poor first half showing for us, it was a conversation that that the committee had. Yeah. Um, so I think I think if Alabama and we win, yeah. and Oklahoma and Ohio State both win, I think Oklahoma takes that four spot.
1: Yeah. You know, I tend to think you're probably right because even though Oklahoma does have a terrible defense, they have a very dynamic offense. Kyler Kyler Murray
0: in the playoff is good for college football.
1: Yeah. Now that being said, I still think they get beat because as much as they can score, they're going to go up against either an Alabama or a Clemson defense. Is just, uh, there's uh, no way just yeah, far and above better than anything that they've seen all year long. Do you see a scenario? I don't, but I don't see a you know, I wouldn't see a scenario where both Alabama and Clemson wins and they flip those two teams. I don't think there's no amount that we can beat Pitt by that an Alabama win over Georgia will change. Their, I, yeah, their I thinking. don't
0: I don't think so. Uh, they've got the stronger opponent. If we both win, they're gonna get the benefit of the
1: doubt there. So then the question becomes, again, going back to if somebody jumps Notre Dame, whether it be Oklahoma or Ohio State. Who would Clemson want to face? Because they would be moving into that three spot. Now, all three teams between Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Clemson has beaten in the recent past. Obviously, the, the, the torrential downpour uh, game against Notre Dame, and yep. then what we've been able to do against Oklahoma and Ohio State in the playoffs and in bowl games in recent years. So yep. these are all teams that, that Clemson feels uh, very good about facing. Um, you know.
0: Who's your rank those three? Who do you want to play well, as I think, far as match-ups? I think knee-jerk
1: reaction, the thing that gets you is Oklahoma just because of how the defense was lit up this past weekend. I think Ohio State is certainly beatable. I know Haskins had a great game, but I, I think Michigan was probably a little bit overrated there. Notre Dame doesn't scare me a ton. It's not like they play the best. I know they say, oh, look at this schedule we play and where we go. Well, I know you play Southern Cal, but Southern, have a good Southern Cal's not Southern Cal anymore. No.
0: But so okay. So what's your what's your? I want to play this team because we can definitely beat them down two. I kind of want to play this team because we can probably beat them.
1: I've seen enough Oklahoma and Ohio State. I think I want to see Notre Dame to be honest okay. with you, and you know they they made it a game, uh, the last time we played, and I'd love to just blow them out and shut them up because again I think Notre Dame. Needs to be in a conference. I think it's unfair to the, to kind of the rest of college football. Now they've, they've earned it this year going undefeated. It's, you know, going a 12 and 0. Yeah, it deservingly has them in there. And I'm not going to have a gripe against that, but I'd like to see them kind of be put in their place.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, as far as matchup goes, uh, and just really thinking about the offenses of these teams, um, I think Oklahoma has the best chance to put points up against us. Kyler Murray is like a better version of Kellen Mond, who also we struggled against. Um, I'm not afraid of Haskins or Book. I don't see the same talent there uh, as Murray. Um, no, and we
1: see we've seen what Venable's um, has been able to do against Haskins-type yeah, quarterbacks exactly. from Ohio State.
0: So I think I think for me. I'd put Oklahoma as the team I'd least want least want to face of those three. Uh, but I'm not really scared of any of them because if we can stop uh, Kyler Murray better, than they can stop us.
1: Well, and I'll even, you know, let's go back and reference. I know Oklahoma is all flashy. Kyler Murray looks great against all these Big 12 defenses and everything. But let's not forget what Clemson was able to do against Baker Mayfield when Baker Mayfield twice, when Baker Mayfield was just tearing up the college football world. Um, you know, silenced him. In the two games we played. So, again, I got to see Okla. I, I just, I have no faith in Oklahoma. There may be a scenario where they win, and I think they, they deserve to be in the top four. Um, but how do I think they fare against Alabama's defense? Not well. And Alabama's offense? Not well. Exactly. Same thing with Clemson. I just, I, I don't feel it. Um, so, but we'll see. Things are going to play out, and we're going uh, to learn very soon after this weekend. Okay, so a couple other things to to touch base on here before we wrap up. Uh, Sam, Texas A&M 74, LSU 72, seven overtimes. What a game.
0: Wow. Um, It was incredible. It just kept going and going and going. Uh, Regulation was a good game in and of itself. And then you get the overtime factor, you get to the third overtime where they have to start going for two on every touchdown. At that point, they pretty much decided they were just going to score touchdowns. There was only one more overtime where they got field goals after that, I think. Um, and the, the performances from all the players were incredible. Um, Kendrick Rogers had an amazing night, two touchdowns, three two point conversion catches, which don't even count his numbers. We had to do the, a look up on that to see if that counted. Um, He's the same guy that tore us up and made amazing catches against us when we played Texas A&M. It was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, so what? Our game ended about 7.30, 8 o'clock or so. I had one more drink at the bar before I headed home. Got home, was kind of sitting around, twiddling my thumbs don't care for any Pac-12 games they're on or anything like that. I can't remember what I was watching. And then i check my phone and see that they're yeah, we were in like the, having a conversation. Yeah, like it. the third overtime, we started having a conversation. I'm like, oh, they're on the SEC network. What are they doing on there? So I find my way to the SEC network and just, I was, that was thoroughly enjoyable watching all those overtimes. And I was honestly disappointed when it was all over. It
0: was a little draining though. Uh,
1: I felt... You know, I felt bad for for Coach O for Ed Orgeron um, at LSU because you know nobody's given him a chance with that job, and he's done a lot better than than expectations, and he deserves some kudos for what he's done uh, to an LSU team that still sits at, at number ten right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, they they played really well. They just didn't finish the last two point conversion. Uh, it's like the fifth or sixth time that uh, teams have gone to seven overtimes in college football history. FBS, uh, nobody's gone to eight. Couldn't quite get there for this one either. Um, but it was, it was the highest scoring FBS game ever. And it was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. And to kind of add a insult to injury or injury to insult there, uh, Jimbo Fisher's nephew oh, up and goes, punches some guy with a pacemaker right in the pacemaker. Um, yeah. So there's that. That's how Texas A&M rolls.
0: Yeah, that's what happens when you uh, let those guys on the sideline.
1: And so kind of my last thought here is the ACC and just how absolutely putrid the conference is outside of uh, Clemson and Syracuse, really. The only two ACC teams ranked, not really counting Notre Dame. But Georgia Tech goes down to Georgia 45-21. to uh, Florida State loses at home to Florida 41-14. to Louisville loses at home to Kentucky 56 to 10 and then Miami, terrible team this year, beats Pitt 24 to 3. Um so here we get a Pitt team and the the conference championship game is not ranked
0: coming off a near shutout,
1: coming off a near shutout to Miami. Um hard to get excited about this game except for the fact that it sends us to assuredly sends us to a college football playoff, but man, the ACC really needs to step up. We had some bright spots a couple of years ago when they had a great year and a, a really good run of the bowl season. You had all those big coaching um, hires that, that that you were hoping were going to change things. Dino Babers has certainly looked at the part. Bronco Hall has the Virgi- his Virginia team playing better. Uh, Virginia Tech and uh, Justin Fuente there is going to need a quarterback yeah. um, to replace who they lost uh, uh, last year. Mark Rick, you got to give him a benefit of the doubt and give him a year to a down year and see what he does to bounce back. But a lot of these guys, you know, coming Mm -hmm. into years three and four, that's when you really start judging these uh, um, uh, these coaches. And I would have to say, right now, for me, that that Dino Babers um, is the best of all of them right now.
0: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Um, Syracuse nine and three this year. We mentioned he finished second in the ACC Coach of the Year voting. Um, We just nobody else has lived up to expectations or to even lowered expectations from midway through the season. Um, NC state and Boston college had stretches where they looked really good. Uh, They've both fallen off towards the end of the season. Pitt obviously uh, has been ranked once or once or twice so far this year, but losing 24 to three to Miami at the end of the season, not a great look. And it just, it weakens obviously our matchup this week, but uh, it's part of the reason that the SEC gets credit.
1: Well, Um, and and let's be fair. The SEC does, as a whole, play better football. Um, There's no denying that, but Clemson fans don't have to worry about that anymore because it's not being held against Clemson that Clemson's in the ACC, other than the fact that if you lose a a game to an ACC team, um, it looks worse on your resume and you're less likely to get in with a loss like that over some other team when their losses, their respective losses. Um, but otherwise it's not being held against us. Clemson is still having a ton of success and it's all based on what Dabo and the cultures Dabo has built in the program. So having ties to the conference is not necessarily a, uh, to a bad conference, not necessarily detrimental to this Clemson football team. That being said, I would just love to see more competitive football.
0: Absolutely. Across the board. Absolutely. And I think the, the strength of the conference hasn't hurt us because we've held, uh, held our ground and beaten the teams we're supposed to beat. Like you said, if we were to lose to a pit or uh, you know, whoever it is in any given season going forward, if, if none of these teams look better, it's going to hurt us. And, The games are not fun when you blow, you know, wake out by 60 points and you beat Duke by 29. And, you know, it's just that's not fun football. It's not competitive. And it's not good training for us for later in the year in the playoff and ACC championship.
1: Yeah, so we'll we'll see how things go. Again, a few of these coaches, you got to give them a couple more years and the opportunity to continue to develop their programs. Uh, Jeff Braum, we hear interviewing uh, for the Louisville job, possibly moving over uh, from uh, Purdue. Um, Willie Taggart, we'll see if he's able to turn around that train wreck that is Florida State. Um, David Cutcliffe is what he's, he's got Duke at, at a mediocre, decent, bold team. Yep. So that's as good as you're going to get at Duke. Yep. Um, and then Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech. I don't know how much longer he's got around there. He never looks interested in a football game. Um, and we're all tired of, uh, seeing the triple option. And I imagine Georgia Tech fans are as well. So. But all in all, I'm not looking I don't have high expectations for the ACC next year, but I do have high expectations for Clemson, and they're able to meet those for the most part, and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, one more interesting note uh, from the coaching standpoint in the ACC is Mac Brown headed back to: Oh North Carolina, yeah, to North Carolina uh, after their abysmal two and nine season. Um, maybe, it feels
1: like Bill Schneider going back to K State?
0: Well, you know, K State's consistently in the top 25. They're con- parts of the They're year consistently now. a okay team. six to eight win team. Hopefully, Mac Brown can can do a little better than that and can get North Carolina back to something respectable. But we'll see how it goes.
1: Probably got to make sure the kids go to class first. That's um, step one. We'll see. I don't know how he fared in academics in Texas, but uh, but yeah, there you have it. Uh, that that wraps up uh, uh, that wraps up the uh, football. We're coming down to it, folks. No more games in, in Death Valley this year two, uh, three games at the most left on the season. Uh, The kind of cool thing with the college football playoff is you do get that extra game, obviously the conference championship game, and it strings it out for another uh, six weeks or so, I would say. So a lot more football left. Bowl season's always fun, but it's crunch time, baby, and it's exciting to have the Tigers most likely going back to the college football playoff. Uh, Before we wrap this up, Sam mentioned the basketball team couple tough losses, uh, losing in the championship game the Cayman Island Classic to Creighton, probably going to be a tournament team, and then a loss, a disappointing loss at home to Nebraska, which seemed kind of lethargic, the crowd and the team. Um, Nebraska's going to be a good basketball team, but you still hope to win that one.
0: Yeah, you hope to win. They're going to be good. They'll probably be a tournament team this year, and that game was just really, really even. Um, The turnovers... The, the shooting percentages the rebounds uh I went back and rewatched and and tracked the uh points in the paint and the second chance points also very very close throughout the entire game uh they just hit one more shot than we did um, I think you know the team looked all right the defense was okay we only gave up sixty eight it was a pretty slow pace. Nebraska likes to play a similar style to us.
1: Elijah well, Thomas has been struggling a little bit. Not being on the floor a lot, being in foul trouble. Yeah. It's kind of it's, it's kept him out of shape. Yeah, I uh, think he's still struggling he's to struggle. get
0: back in shape. The next couple of weeks should help with that. Uh, we've got limited games for the next few weeks and then through the holidays. Uh, so it's time for the team to practice, get in shape up some things. Start getting Eli, some shots. Eli had a very nice game against Nebraska. He ended up with 16 points on eight shots, so
1: very efficient. Right, but how many minutes? Uh,
0: 22, so still less than we want him to play. Uh, one bright spot, another bright spot from that game was Clyde Trapp. Looks a little bit better. He was two for two from three. Uh, did not turn the ball over. Had a couple assists. Uh, we really need him to step up and be a third creator for this team, I think, coming off the bench. We need a spark off the bench. And he's the only one that can create for himself and others of the group that's coming off the bench. Um, hopefully the next couple of weeks, we can also see our big men get a little bit healthier. Uh, Eli, we already mentioned, but Malik William still struggling to come back from uh concussion and uh, Trey Jemison. We don't know if he's going to play this year or not, but he's been struggling with a leg injury. Are
1: we sure for Malik, it's a concussion or is it a coma? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah
0: it's been a while. Um, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully they can both get healthy and come back. Um, I don't feel bad about a two-point loss to a tournament team, a likely tournament team in Nebraska. I don't feel bad about a five-point loss that we st- w- that we made a good comeback in against Creighton in the championship at the Cayman Islands Classic. Obviously, we definitely prefer to come out with wins in those games. Last year, those are the kinds of games we gritted out and won. Uh, we don't have Bobby Buckets to to pull us through at the end. And at
1: this point last year, we had Dante Grantham playing. We did.
0: We did. Um, We had an incredible uh, non-conference last year that we may not match this year. Uh, Who knows? We may go on a streak and win the rest of the games in non-conference. But uh, even if we don't, this is going to be a really good team and they're going to be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. I think we're going to get a lot of time from the freshmen and sophomores on this team. So uh, a lot of improvement throughout the year should be expected.
1: Yeah. So bottom line is there's no reason to panic just yet. It's early in the season that this team has to gel. Um, And if you're going to give Brad Brownell credit for the the coaching job he did last year and getting the team all the way to the sweet 16, then you have to give him the opportunity this year to coach this team up um, and get them back to the tournament. So, like I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, uh, Sam and I will be back here in a couple weeks once we get a break for football to we'll do a preview of the basketball season, and of course we will continue on uh, with our football coverage. So again, we appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in and listening to the podcast, and everybody uh, who has reached out to us and interacts with us. We appreciate those iTunes reviews and. Um, yeah, it's just fun to be with you guys for, a, for another football season. It was a great regular season, and we're looking forward to the playoff. So uh, we will be back at it next week uh, with a recap of the ACC championship game against the Pitt Panthers. And until then, go Tigers. Yeah, the game was uh, just absolutely pathetic on defense. But um, I've got a feeling that the defense and Brent Venables are going to bounce back because they're pretty damn good, you know? It's not like they suck as people, individuals, players. You know, they're talented. they got a smart coach. He wins a lot of awards. Uh, And he's got a good winning record, you know? He's got rings. Um, What are you... and couch potatoes have